The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a very sobering subject to cover today. But first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform in which you're listening to us upon... We do have several social media platforms like our Facebook page. When you type in the at symbol Mighty Fortress 313, we also have a YouTube channel, which if you look up our Mighty Fortress podcast, you'll actually be able to find it because it actually gets mixed up with uh, our Mighty or uh, Mighty Fortress is our God uh, song, which eh, it is what it is. Of course, the YouTube uh, channel is actually moving forward and we've Got a lot more videos going up, especially with Christian music videos to enjoy. You can also take a look at our website, which is OurMightyFortress.com. There's extra media that's hosted there where you're going to find articles and videos and even our merch store where you can help support the work. If you do feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, of course, you can feel free to do so through the website and the established PayPal link. If we've helped you in some way, I would love to hear about it. Go ahead and tell us at OurMightyFortress at gmail.com. We'll be sure to get back to you. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I want to talk about the recently passed Memorial Day. Memorial Day, as of recording this podcast just a few days ago, and it's generally a very tough day for me, as as it is for many uh, of my friends and brethren that serve in the military. But I want to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. I spent 12 and a half, almost 13 years of my life in the United States Marine Corps. And I, too, have several men that I once served with that are gone. And they were killed in action, and they're no longer with us. Their names are forever written on my heart, and I'm never going to forget them. There are so many names that you could read off and tell their stories. But in this particular podcast, I wanted to read to you several citations of men who were considered valiant. I want to have a little bit of positivity in the midst of tragedy. Their stories are just a few of the heroes that have fought in these long wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And of course, there were so many more heroes in previous wars, but we're just going to zero in on Iraq and Afghanistan. 
as a Christian, I've had to ref reflect upon what I believe God would deem as right when it comes to war. That would definitely be a topic for another time that I may very well do. But one thing's for sure, the gravity and the reach of war, how it touches the families and friends of the country that is in war, it, it, it's inevitable. It's all around us. I guarantee there's probably at least one person in your life that has been touched somehow adversely by the Iraq or Afghanistan war. It's hard to believe that we did fight a war for 20 years. 20 years in two countries, but like many wars before it, it will be forgotten and its veterans. Let this be a reminder to us that freedom is not free. And of course, there is a very heavy price to pay when a nation goes to war. With that introduction, let's get right into this. What is it that causes people to do heroic actions? I want to talk about what I call the soldier's bond. There's really a whole lot more you can actually say on this than we will cover, but I just want to give a, a small glimpse into it where you have two or more men that can be the best of friends, but nothing creates a bond more than going to war together. War can generate unheralded acts of valor as each man fights for his brother next to him. They're not only willing to fight for one another, but they're also willing to die or give their lives for the man that's next to them. It's hard to understand this if you've not been in the military and been to war, but the bond that is shared among brothers in arms is deeper than the, than the love of any outside family. Now, I'm not talking about just being in the military generally, but men who have fought side by side against an enemy and have had to absolutely rely on each other and trust each other to stay alive. It's quite an interesting effect upon those who have been to war and it truly defines what it means to call somebody a brother. The effects of war generally have nothing to do with the politics of it. A war can be for an unrighteous cause and put forth by feckless politicians, but the men on the ground have nothing to do with those decisions, but they fight for each other. An example of this would be wars of the past, like Vietnam and the draft, in which thousands of men were called to serve whether they liked it or not. Many of those would fight in brutal firefights, and even more still would be wounded or killed in combat. Those men fought for one another because they needed each other to stay alive, the bond that is molded there crosses over any racial issues of, of that particular time period. That's what's fascinating. During the Vietnam War, you had the civil rights movements taking place at home. Meanwhile, whites and blacks would fight right alongside beside each other and die for each other on the battlefield. As the old story goes of two men, one white and the other black, who came uh, became best friends in their tours in Vietnam. As they got off the plane coming back to the U.S., the white servicemen said to the black servicemen, in a not-so-serious uh, tone, he's like, I guess we're, to, we're supposed to go back to hating each other now. <laughs> now, the intention, you know, he wasn't serious, but the war makes brothers out of those who 
think they have irreconcilable differences, race didn't matter. And there are so many more types of differences that can be said throughout history in which people come together and fought beside one another. I remember when I was visiting Washington, D.C., and I stopped by the Vietnam Memorial. There would be tourists of all ages that would glance by and maybe take pictures very briefly. It's just a long black uh, wall uh, of, of a type of stone. I'm not sure what kind of stone it is with etched names of all the people who have died. But there were those people who stood out, who knelt down and they clung to the wall. One such individual was an old man wearing a Vietnam veteran hat, leaning against the wall, weeping. I, I saw a hand pressed upon a name, whether it was part of his family or a friend that was killed. I don't know. Tears were streaming down my face as memories flooded back of my Marines that were killed. Now this gentleman was old enough to be my grandfather, yet I felt like I identified with him. Though we fought in different wars that were decades apart. You know, it's hard to believe that such young men would slaughter each other on the battlefield for a cause that they told is good. Most of the time, we have no clue what we're actually fighting for, but we're told to fight for it. This has happened all throughout history, of course. They say that young men fight old men's wars, and there's definitely truth to that. If you think about it, what does the average American college student, ages ranging from 18 to 25, know anything about the world or the brutality of it? Men join the age of 18 and get thrust into a global conflict. This conflict forces them to mature and age ahead of their years. One famous commander and king of the past was Alexander the Great. He took command of his first unit of soldiers at the age of 19. From there, he would proceed to conquer much of the Middle East, going all the way to India. All of this was done before the age of 30. I mean, this guy left such a mark upon history that even Julius Caesar, much later, would comment that he had not accomplished half as much as Alexander. This was already after Caesar had conquered Gaul, and a large portion of Europe in his epic battle of Alicia. Read about that battle sometime, and think about what he said about Alexander the Great. Young men are thrusted into a brutal world in which they must do terrible things to other human beings in order to survive. It is a job that oftentimes must be done. Everyone is always hopeful and motivated when they first join. I mean, I joined when I was 19 years old. I was already a corporal, or E4, at the age of 21, leading men. It was my first serious leadership position, and I was given command over a group of men. I later, at the age of 24, became a sergeant and would finish my career years later, commanding hundreds of men at, the, at that time. Of course, all the ideology of war and what you think happens goes out the door when you step foot into a war zone. You know, like many before me, I had the same feeling that I cannot believe this is happening right now. When on my very first day in Afghanistan, and there are rockets raining down on my position. Survival mode just kicks in and you're just looking to take the life of those who are trying to take yours. Of course, 
you develop a type of paranoia as well because you don't know if somebody is strapped with a bomb looking to blow themselves up. So many of us felt the same way when we're serving in either Iraq or Afghanistan. Speaking of age, most of the stories that you read about the heroes of war, a lot of them are young men. I think about the book that would eventually become a movie uh, later. It's titled, We Were Soldiers Once and Young. It was about the Battle of Ladrang and America's first major battle between the U.S. Army and the People's Army of North Vietnam. When we read those citations of heroism later, I want you to realize that some of these men fighting are barely old enough to do anything back in the States. Now, the Medal of Honor in the military is the highest award that can be given. It's for extreme acts of heroism. Each service has its own similar award when it comes to the second level of medal, uh, just below the Medal of Honor. For the Navy and the Marine Corps, it's called the Navy Cross. But first thing is first, before I read the citations, I want to command each branch of service that served their time in Iraq or Afghanistan, as well as other parts of the world, or there's other conflicts that are going on that aren't often glorified. Each of us have provided our own heroes of valor. And I don't want to take anything away from what those men of valor have done. I'll primarily be reading about those who fought in Afghanistan as that was the country that I had served back in 2010 and even worked in coordination uh, with some of these men. One in particular, we'll read later. While most of these men survived, their sacrifice came with wounds and injuries while rescuing their brothers. There are many in the situation around some of these that would not make it back. I don't think I could handle reading the citations of just men who died in the process because I know what it's like sending Marines' bodies home in a long metal casket draped with an American flag. That being said, I do want to read a citation from each of the other branches of service. The first is about the U.S. Air Force Technical Sergeant John A. Chapman. And this took place at the very beginning of the Afghan, uh, Afghanistan War. He was awarded the Medal of Honor. And his citation reads, Technical Sergeant John A. Chapman distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism as an Air Force Special Tactics Combat Controller attached to a Navy Sea, Air, and Land, or SEAL team conducting reconnaissance operations in Takurgar, Afghanistan on March 4, 2002. Man, I was still in high school at that time. During insertion, the team's helicopter was ambushed, causing a teammate to fall into an entrenched group of enemy combatants below. Sergeant Chapman and the team voluntarily reinserted under the snow-capped mountain to bear or into the heart of a known enemy stronghold to rescue one of their own. Without regard for his own safety, Sergeant Chapman immediately engaged. Moving in the direction of the closest enemy position, despite coming under heavy fire from multiple directions, he fearlessly charged an enemy bunker up a steep incline of thigh-deep snow and hostile fire, directly engaging the enemy. Upon reaching the bunker, Sergeant Chapman assaulted and cleared the position, killing all enemy occupants. With complete disregard for his own life, Sergeant Chapman deliberately moved to cover 
12 meters from the enemy and exposed himself once again to attack a second bunker from which an emplaced machine gun was firing on his team. During this assault from the exposed position directly in the line of intense fire, Sergeant Chackman was struck and injured by enemy fire. Despite severe mortal wounds, he continued to fight relentlessly, sustaining a violent engagement with multiple enemy personnel before making the ultimate sacrifice by his heroic actions and extraordinary valor, sacrificing his life for the lives of his teammates. Technical Sergeant Chapman upheld the highest traditions of the military service and reflected great credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. What an amazing story about Tech Sergeant Chapman's heroism. And that entire th story is actually caught on video. You can actually go to YouTube and search the first Medal of Honor ever recorded. And you can actually watch it. It's through uh, infrared, but you can see him taking on and engaging the enemy. It's the very first Medal of Honor winning personnel ever recorded. It's, it's truly unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. The next part is the U.S. Navy uh, and Chief Edward Byers and his award of the Medal of Honor. It reads... For conspicuous gall gallantry and intrepidity in the, in the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as a hostage rescue force team member in Afghanistan in support of Operation Enduring Freedom from 8 to 9 December 2012. As the rescue force approached a target building, an enemy sentry detected him and darted inside to alert his fellow captors. The sentry quickly re-emerged and the lead assaulter attempted to neutralize him. Chief Byers, with his team, sprinted to the door of the target of the building. As a primary breacher, Chief Byers stood in the doorway fully exposed to enemy fire while ripping down six layers of heavy blankets fastened to the inside ceiling and the walls to clear a path for the rescue force. This is a common thing in, in Middle Eastern countries. It's just walls of blankets you got to get past. The first assaulter pushed his way through the blankets and was mortally wounded by enemy small arms fire from within. Chief Byers, completely aware of the imminent threat, fearlessly rushed into the room and engaged an enemy guard aiming an AK-47 at him. Then he tackled another adult male who had darted towards the corner of the room. During the ensuing hand-to-hand -hand struggle, Chief Byers confirmed the man was not the hostage and engaged him. As the other rescue team members called out for the hostage, Chief Byers heard a voice respond in English and raced towards it. He jumped atop the American hostage and shielded him from the high volume of fire within the small room. While covering the hostage with his body, Chief Byers immobilized another guard with his bare hands and restrained the guard until a teammate could eliminate him. That's what I'm talking about. His bold and decisive actions under fire saved the lives of the hostage and several of his teammates. By his undaunted courage, intrepid fighting spirit and unwavering devotion to the duty of the of du, to duty in the face of near certain death chief petty officer byers reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the united states naval service wow it's an extraordinary situation in which this navy seal saved an american hostage and you have to understand being the first man in to a building filled with enemy combatants not having a clue what's on the other side, where the men are at, where they're pointing guns, and you're the first one through, you're the point man going through, that takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to keep going forward. It 
it seriously takes some serious guts to go in and through. Next, I want to look at Army Specialist Salvador Augustine Gunta and his award of the Medal of Honor. Specialist Salvador A. Gunta distinguished himself conspicuously by gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty and action with an armed enemy in the Korngal Valley, Afghanistan. On October 25, 2007, while conducting a patrol as a team leader with Company Bravo, 2nd Battalion, uh, 503rd Division Infantry Regiment, Specialist Gunta and his team were navigating through a harsh terrain when they were ambushed by a well-armed and well-coordinated insurgent force. While under heavy enemy fire, Specialist Gunta immediately sprinted towards cover and engaged the enemy. Seeing that his squad leader had fallen and believed that he had been injured, Specialist Gunta exposed himself with withering enemy fire and raced towards his squad leader, helped him to cover and administer medical aid. While administering medical aid, Enemy fire struck Specialist Gunta's body armor and his secondary weapon. Without regard to the ongoing fire, Specialist Gunta engaged the enemy before prepping and throwing grenades, using the explosions to cover for four cover in order to conceal his position. Attempting to reach additional wounded soldiers who were separated from the squad, Specialist Gunta and his team encountered a barrage of enemy fire that forced them to the ground. The team continued forward, and upon reaching the wounded soldiers, Specialist Gunta realized that another soldier was still separated from the element. Specialist Gunta then advanced forward on his own initiative, means he wasn't told to do this. He, As he crested the top of a hill, he observed two insurgents carrying away an American soldier. He immediately engaged the enemy, killing one and wounding the other. Upon reaching the wounded soldier, he began to provide medical aid. As his squad caught up and provided security, Specialist Gunta's unwavering courage, selflessness, and decisive leadership while under extreme enemy fire were integral to the platoon's ability to defeat an enemy ambush and recover a fellow American soldier from the enemy. Specialist Salvador A. Gunta's extraordinary heroism and selflessness above and beyond the call of duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and a great credit upon himself, Company Bravo, 2nd Battalion Airborne, 503rd Infantry Regiment, and the United States Army. Wow. Not only did this man endure the hardness of battle against an organized enemy, he went above and beyond for his comrades. I mean, one thing, you think about it, you see your squad leader down and you rush over to him in the midst of enemy fire to grab him and, and pull him to safety. But, meanwhile, all of that was going on. He's still fighting the enemy. He's still vigilant enough to notice that one of his team members was missing. And he went to the top of the hill by himself, which you almost think is crazy. But thankfully he did because he saw two people trying to take away one of his buddies. Now, thankfully, he rushed in and killed them and rescued his fellow brothers in arms. Now, that is some serious intestinal fortitude. Now, I'm going to talk about one of my Marines and the valiant war efforts in the year 2010. In the year I, too, was there. It seems that 2010 was a very special year for heroes in, in the Marine Corps. And I'll read you these men's stories. The first is Corporal William Kyle Carpenter and his award for the Medal of Honor. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity of the risk of his life 
above and beyond the call of duty while serving as an automatic rifleman with Company Foxtrot, 2nd Battalion, 9th Marines, Regimental Combat Team 1, 1st Marine Division, Afghan Helmand Province, Afghanistan, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom on the 21st of November 2010. Lance Corporal Carpenter was a member of a platoon-sized co coalition force comprised of two reinforced Marine squads partnered with an Afghan National Army squad. The platoon had established a patrol base, Dakota, two days earlier in a small village in the Marja district in order to disrupt enemy activity and provide security for the local Afghan population. Lance Corporal Carpenter and a fellow Marine were manning a rooftop security position of the perimeter of a patrol base or patrol base Dakota when enemy initiated a daylight attack with hand grenades, one of which landed inside the their sandbag position without hesitation and with complete disregard for his own safety. Lance Corporal Carpenter moved towards the grenade in an attempt to shield his fellow Marine from a deadly blast. When the gr grenade detonated, his body absorbed the brunt of the blast, severely wounding him, but saving the life of his fellow Marine by his undaunted courage, bold fighting spirit, and unwavering devotion to the duty in the face of almost certain death. Lance Corporal Carpenter reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Service. Now this is a little bit of a different story. This young Marine was willing to risk his own life for his brother next to him. And he threw himself onto an enemy grenade to save his partner. Remember what I said about the bond and brotherly love we have for one another while in the service? This is the epitome of that situation. Now this Marine actually survived. And obviously he was badly hurt and maimed by the grenade blast. Now with our next story, it's going to be slightly different. I'm going to read about a Marine that was awarded the Navy Cross or the second highest award, starting with Sergeant William B. Sutra. And his citation reads, the President of the United States of America takes pleasure in presenting the Navy Cross to Sergeant William B. Sutra, Jr., United States Marine Corps, for extraordinary heroism while serving as a canine handler. That's a fellow, that's a fellow military policeman right there. Company Bravo, 1st Marine Special Operations Battalion, U.S. Marine Corps Forces Special Operations Command on 11th July 2010 in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. While patrolling with Afghan commandos in Helmand Province, Sergeant Sultra's unit became pinned down by a complex ambush initiated by an improvised explosive device that mortally wounded his staff sergeant element leader. Sergeant Sutras unhesitantly took charge and with complete disregard for his own life moved across open terrain to each commando's position, orienting their fires to the enemy. Under intense fire, he fearlessly moved towards um, forward with the team corpsman to reach the fallen element leader. While the corpsman rendered aid to the element leader, Sergeant Sutra placed a tourniquet on a nearby severely wounded commando and pulled him to safety repeatedly exposing himself to enemy fire. He again moved from position to position to orient and direct friendly fires, accurately relaying enemy information enabled aircraft to provide suppression and calmly coordinated a successful evacuation of the casualties 
personally carrying one of the wounded 75 meters over nearly 70 minutes after the ambush began, Sergeant Sutra rallied the platoon and maneuvered them safely out of the kill zone with his military working dog still at his side. By his decisive leadership, except, exceptional courage in the face of heavy enemy fire, and complete dedication to, to, to duty, Sergeant Soldier reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the, of the Marine Corps and of the United States Naval Service. Now, this particular Marine was a fellow military policeman, and he was a canine handler as well. His dog was fearlessly beside him during the whole time. Can you imagine being the Taliban? You're trying to kill this guy, and you can't get him. And you see this Marine running across the field with his dog as he's killing your friends. <laughs> if, you're, if you're the Taliban, I mean. And meanwhile, he's rescuing his friends. You know, I'm sure it struck fear in their hearts. Now, our last hero I want to read about was part of the unit that I actually helped coordinate in Afghanistan. I don't even... I don't even know if I ever met this young man, but little did anyone know he would exemplify heroism shortly after his unit went to the field. This Marine's name was Corporal Clifford M. Wooldridge, and he was awarded the Navy Cross. His amazing story, citation, reads, The President of the United States of America takes pleasure in presenting the Navy Cross to Corporal Clifford M. Wooldridge, United States Marine Corps, for extraordinary heroism while serving as vehicle commander Combined Anti-Armor Platoon White Weapons Company, 3rd Battalion, 7th Marines, Regimental Combat Team 2, 1st Marine Division, 1st Marine Expeditionary Force uh, in Afghanistan on 18th of June 2010 in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. When their mounted patrol came under intense enemy fire, Corporal Wooldridge and his squad dismounted and maneuvered on the suspected enemy location. Now that's courage right there. Spotting a group of 15 enemy fighters preparing an ambush, Corporal Wooldridge led one of his fire teams across open ground to flank the enemy, killing or wounding at least eight and forcing the rest to scatter. As he held security alone to cover his fire team's withdrawal, he heard voices from, a behind, from behind an adjacent wall. Boldly rushing around the corner, he came face to face with two enemy fighters at close range, killing both of them with his M249 squad automatic weapon, otherwise known as the saw. He, As he crouched behind the wall to reload, he saw the barrel of an enemy machine gun appearing from around the wall. Without hesitation, he dropped his empty weapon and seized the machine gun barrel. He overwhelmed the enemy fighter in hand-to-hand -hand combat, killing him with several blows to the head with the enemy's own machine gun. His audacious and fearless actions thwarted the enemy attack on his platoon. By his bold and decisive leadership, undaunted courage under fire, and total dedication to duty, Corporal Wooldridge reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and of the United States Naval Service. This Marine fought through tremendous adversity, having to fight an insurgent hand-to-hand -hand and killing him with his own rifle. Spec Ops Magazine writes what's not actually written in the citation that, quote, just before that, the enemy combatant reached for one of his hand grenades in a desperate attempt to kill himself and Corporal Wooldridge, but he didn't succeed in pulling the pin on the hand grenade. Shortly after, 
the remaining members of his team came around the corner and witnessed the three dead enemy fighters and Corporal Wooldridge standing over one fighter holding his machine gun. End quote. Like many of the men I read about, this young Marine stayed and enlisted for a while longer, eventually picking up Staff Sergeant, then he got out of the Marine Corps. Like, what more can be asked for him for a man that served his time and fought hand-to-hand, -hand, literally, with the enemy? Such tremendous stories of heroism. And I hope I was able to communicate in a way that just really painted the picture of the scene. As we close, I hope this podcast was able to give you a clearer view as to why we celebrate Memorial Day. It's not about, you know, a barbecue or just having a day off. It's a day of reflection. And for some of us, that day of reflection is rather deep. It's not very positive. Memorial Day is about remembering the sacrifice of those who gave a piece of themselves in war and what they would never get back and many more who would never return home. May we all be a lot more thankful for what we have in this nation because of these men. I want to thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Please take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content, and remember to find your refuge and strength in Our Mighty Fortress.